Hi, I'm Anna Rosa Parker. And I'm Daniel Lamb, and this is Artist Inclusive, the podcast for ambitious artists who want to find clarity, community, and creative success. Hey, Anna, I'm so excited to chat with you today about your story, your journey as an artist and as a business person, and what we're doing with Artist Inclusive. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm very excited. I'm just thrilled about Artist Inclusive. Yeah. And being here. Starting this podcast with you. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I know. This is this is good stuff and it's really exciting to be doing it. And I know that you and I met in Copywriting Mastermind, but that always hasn't been a part of our lives. In fact, before you got into this, you spent a lot of years working as a playwright and a theater actor. Can you talk a little bit about what got you interested in that in the first place? Like how did you become an arty person. I've thought about it sometimes and I I feel like it was just right in front of me. I I didn't think I had a choice. I was a very physical kid though. I was very like, yeah, just physical and active and a skier and a gymnast and and all that. But the arts just, I started to do plays as a kid, like at school, probably seven years old. And I also always wrote like little, you know, books. I was always creating little books and and then in the late teens, I got really serious about, you know, pursuing acting. And I was taking some dance classes. And then I'm from Iceland. And I, I lived there and I didn't really want to go to the school there. So it was kind of complicated to figure out because I had to, nothing was handed to me. I had to pay for my own education. It was kind of complicated to figure out how I would go to school in the U.S. because that's what I really wanted. So it took me a few years, but I did go to University of Washington and I got a great education there. I, it was just a part of me. You know what I mean? It was almost like it's not an interest. It's just that's all that made sense, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So can we back up a little bit? Can you talk about your little books that you were creating as a kid? <laughs> yeah. There, there was this woman, a, a writer. She later went into politics, but Guðrún um, Helgadóttir. She wrote most hilarious books. And I literally peed in my pants reading them, which is so funny. And I would ask my older sister to read them. They were just about these two wicked twins. They were just so wicked. And I just wanted to be just like her. I wanted to be a writer like her. So I would just write books, just little stories. I don't even remember them. I don't think they exist. But, you know, staple them. And I'm a horrible drawer. I'm not good. I'm very visual and very specific about my taste and what I like, but I can't create anything with my hands. You know what I mean? I can't draw, I can't do makeup, I can't do anything like that. So I had like really bad pictures on the cover. And then just the story about, I don't know, it's probably about a girl who went out into the world or something. I, I don't, but I always had the wicked sense of humor though. So a lot of infused a lot of humor in there too. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why we get along. We have a dark sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, yeah. Comes out more and more. Yeah, I don't think I told you this when we did our interview, but I grew up watching horror movies with my mom from a super early age. So I was exposed to like really dark, like Stephen (laughs) King stuff and like Michael Myers as a little kid. But yeah, so let's jump forward. After you graduated, uh, you're in Seattle, you're working in the theater world. Were were you working any like side jobs to support yourself or were you making a full-time living as a theater person? What did that look like? And sort of like, what was that part of your, what was that time in your life like? That was, it was a little bit of everything. I, I was, I, I did get some theater gigs, you know, in the big, the, the real theaters. <laughs> and then I also was producing my own stuff in the more kind of small black box and festivals and things like that. And I taught, I taught fitness. I'd done that before. And so I went like, okay, back to square one. And I remember that was being so, so embarrassing to me. 
when I go back and, and teach fitness classes. I mean, today I'm thinking like, oh, girl, that was smart. You made in one hour what, you know, was equivalent to other people working probably six hours. You know what I mean? But I remember just like being so embarrassed by that. And I, I couldn't tell my artist friends about it. That's so funny that you mentioned that because mm-hmm. I feel like in the in the art world, we get these sort of all or nothing mindsets around if you're doing some other type of job or you're not full time as an actor or as a writer, something's wrong. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. such a, a weird belief that a lot of us have. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. I mean, I thought nothing. I was nothing wrong. I thought everybody was waiting tables anyway. But the fitness was just something it was too tacky or something, you know what I mean, that I didn't want to be associated with it. I don't feel the same way today, but that was looking back then. Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny because I felt the same way about working in the restaurant biz that it was tacky and like delivering pizzas was like a an undignified thing. Yeah, no, it's not. And then about the acting, like when I was there pursuing those there, there was always this problem of I didn't sound American. So that was that was always a, an issue for everybody. They they didn't realize that there were people that sounded not everybody sounded the same. So I that was a major issue. I was like, "Oh, now she has an accent. She's an accent." Can't, can't have her. She had an accent. And then I finally, much later, I, I did the, the dialect journey and I finally graduated. So I'm now able to, to do it. I can speak like an American. But once I graduated, I was like, mm, yeah, no, I'm not going to act anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, what's the most American phrase in your, in your dialectical wheelhouse? It's more about, you know, how you go back and you have to like put, so Americans talk at the back of their mouth, right? Yeah. It's like European. Yeah. yeah. And you flatten your tongue, it's anatomy. But Europeans were always at the front of our mouth. So it's very different, different sounds. But I mean, Seattle is just more American. I live in New York City now. So it's more, it's just how they are yeah. more. Like, you know, the grocery store, everybody's like, hey, how are you? What are you doing this weekend? Taking something out, be less buying, buying, buying crackers. Oh, are you having a party? This kind of a thing. I'm like, this is so weird. Why, why am I telling the person at the grocery store? And then I started to get used to it and I liked it. And I thought it was kind of nice and homey. And then I moved to New York and I was like, okay, I need to shift again, go back to being that intense Icelander because that works in New York City. Yeah. I could see like having sort of a, sort of a tough shell would be an asset in a place like the big city for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, like a lot of what we've been talking about is how to move from one state of life to another. What would have helped young Anna, you know, when she was working in fitness and seeing her friends in the restaurant biz and like trying to get acting gigs, would you have done things differently? Do you think if you'd had some sort of clear cut plan or some way to develop yourself? 100%, 100%, because when you're in school and they're training you to be a strong actor, it's about the skill and and it's all about, and your mindset becomes about how good you are as an actor and you get cast and, and it's all about that. And then you, after the day after graduation, you're like, shit, what am I going to do? Yeah, they do tell you, you should get an agent and I got an agent, right? And, but they don't tell you how to manage your money they don't, they don't teach you any of that. And, and what do you, they just, I remember they're saying, if you like to do something else, you should do it. Okay. If you're good at something else, you could do that. 
not my teachers, but, you know, the people that would speak to actors about, or also actors that had gone, pushed through and, and made it at the end and saying, this is so hard, but if you, if you're good at something else, you should probably do that because acting to be an actor is really hard. And to answer your question more specifically, I, I mean, I would have loved to have a community and support and some guidance in what else I could do. And I'm thinking like, okay, so the fitness was because I had done that before I went back to school and I could have built a side business had I had some guidance in business and some coaching. I could have done things like that. I could have, you know, at the time we didn't have social media, you know, I graduated 2000, but I could have put together, I could have made maybe like a video collection. You know what I mean? I could have done certain things that I know how to to do now, you know, and build authority in a certain way that I didn't, I didn't have any idea about any of that. Yeah, that so resonates. I think that's such a big thing for a lot of folks is that we, we go to conservatory or we go to school and we learn how to be great at the thing that we're drawn to, but we're not really equipped with skills to like be practical. Everyone says get an agent, but no one tells you how to negotiate your contract with that agent or like how much percentage that agent should get off of your gig or like how to do all these other things, create an LLC or 100%, whatever it is, yeah. or how much to save for taxes, like all these things that nobody bothers mm-hmm. to share in these programs. Like we have to go out and figure that stuff out. And that's a big, big ask. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's just, and I just remember you have so much hope and, and your dreams are huge and you believe in it. I believed that I was going to be able to, to do all that. Just, okay, I'm just going to be working with Julia Roberts. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually believed that, that I was going to, to make it like that. And then it didn't happen. But what I did, I didn't want to leave the arts bitter. So I just stayed there and started to pursue other things on the side. And and that's another part where I wish I would have known how to start to build a, a side business, an online business, what I do today. But it just it comes back to the support, accountability, support and guidance. And like you said, kind of adulting, you know, and even like more seasoned actors that I know people that are older than I am and they're still they haven't figured out how to to create a business for themselves and build their own brand. Because it is complicated when you don't know anything about it. When you're on the inside, it, it's more simple, but it, it can be very overwhelming, I think, to think about all these things and how to figure that out. Yeah, I think I think it's easy. Like once you once you kind of been through it and you know what to do, it's easy to take it for granted. But to like go back to square one and to not know what I didn't know, it was very overwhelming mm-hmm. and so like just heavy and wide and nebulous, like just the unknown unknown. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I know. I did actually start a couple of businesses, but they weren't very successful. And again, it goes back to, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I started one, like a little art kind of studio where I was going to teach children acting and do it because it was a small space. And then I was going to have like one-on-one teach them yoga and things like that. And I made it all really beautiful and I designed it and spent a bunch of money on putting it together. And then just because of bill, they didn't come. And then I didn't know what to do next. Mm. The vision like stopped. It only had, okay, now I'm ready for business. And then what do you do? Yeah, that's that's a pervasive problem, even in the world of business. You know, even as a copywriter, I'll, I'll have clients who are like, we want to make this thing. And I'm like, I can help you make that thing. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you can build a beautiful website or design an, an amazing user experience, but if nobody sees it, if yeah. nobody knows that you're over there on that street with that studio, like, 
Where does the business come from? How does it become a success? And you know, and entirely. And I think there's another aspect to this because I'm not an extrovert, although I was an actor, I'm an introvert and I could just do the part and I can play the part also like when I go with my husband to a function and I'm the professor's wife and I can be the actress on stage and I can play all these parts and I can be interviewed and be in the press or whatever when I was doing a project. But naturally, I'm very comfortable just being, have that loner thing or just being at home. And so that's kind of strange to start to do that again with my copywriting business. Like, oh, now I'm going to build authority to get some press for that. Let's do it again. So it's kind of, it, if you fine tune it a little bit and see what works for you, what you're comfortable with, I think before you hop out there and be like all over the place in, in every social media and all that, it's kind of complicated. Yeah, no, I think right? it's super helpful to know like energetically what works for you as a person. After I've spent all this time writing for clients, I have no energy to sit down and write authority building blog posts and like this long form content. But I can, yeah. I can show up and speak to people on a podcast. Like for whatever reason, that doesn't drain my energy in the same way. Yeah. So it's equal parts like self-knowledge and strategy. Mm-hmm. I think it can yeah. work together like that. 100%. And we're all so very different. And that's what I look forward to working with artists in Artist Inclusive, whether they're just starting out or they're, you know, been doing this for a long time and certain things are not working out for them to see because it's really hard to reflect on yourself, but we can, you know, see that and help our artists to say like, oh, have you, you know, thought about coaching? Do you want to coach other actors? Do you want to build a business in that on the side that they maybe have been teaching for somebody else or if they had dabbled in teaching, but a lot of them have not thought about building their own business and start to bring in some actual revenue. Yeah. And building a business can be scary because then all the decisions are on us. There's nobody to make the choices mm-hmm. for us. And so I think that's when it really helps to have people to bounce this stuff off of, to see what resonates, to like kind of check ourselves. And for me, I'm one of those people who has an infinite loop of new ideas, but a billion unfinished projects. And so having a community around me helps me rein it back in and like stay focused and, and in that way, like move forward a little bit. Yeah, no, you nailed it right there with the having ideas and yeah, having a community where you can get that idea supported or, or not, or people like, is that really going to work out for you? Yeah. How much do you love it? How are you? And that's what I've learned so much in, in our mastermind. Yeah. Coaching with Rob and Kira, uh, like the most value I've gotten is from them shooting my stuff down, you know, <laughs> like really, because if I were to go in too many different directions, I just fall apart and become ineffective. That's just invaluable. I mean, I, if I would change anything, I would have liked to find, would have somehow found that kind of community earlier in my life, whether that was when I was still in the arts or in my copywriting business, but I just didn't, there was any, there was nothing like that for, for artists. Yeah. The the things that we're doing right now, it's just not available. You just have to figure it out. And the thing about when you're an actor, you do a play with a a group of people and you start to know them and have that almost kind of like a family vibes and you have fun. And, and then once that play is when that closes, you might never hear from those people again. Then it's just like, Next. And it's a, it's a mentality that a lot of actors have. You don't commit to relationships as much as, as I think maybe you do in other businesses or, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that we're kind of changing that. Yeah, for, for sure. And just, I think also to bounce off ideas. And I, I think sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to like our mentors in the copywriter club, they, they have this ability to like make me have an idea without them telling me what it is. You know what yeah. I mean? So 
I, I look forward to be able to kind of pay that forward in a way yeah. and work with other artists and because you I mean I think that's where it is just to get that reflection of of who you are and what you want to do and and what you're capable of and then out of that you might realize like you have some skill that has been hidden there and you haven't used it exactly good I think a good coach or a good mentor is somebody who can hold up a mirror for you But mm -hmm. it's a different kind of mirror. It's a mirror that you can't see on your own and it shows you a different side of yourself and it's more, mm -hmm. um, it's objective and it's inspirational and it's directional, which is big. Yeah. And having a strategy too is, is just, I remember I just I always hated that word. Even when I started copywriting, it's like, Oh no, it's like strategy related. I just, I, I didn't, I just think I didn't really understand what strategy was a few years yeah. ago when I started copywriting. I just hated everything about it. Yeah. Oh no, no, that's, that's a plan. That's like having a good plan. Yeah. And so has that relationship to that word changed for you now? Do you look at it differently? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I still want to reinvent the word. I don't like the actual word strategy, but yeah, it sounds warlike, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It sounds something that happens in Microsoft or something, you yeah. know what I mean? As in not just different, very more drier corporate world, if you will. You know. Yeah, so we need to leverage all the levers to engage our strategy yeah. so that we can pull the levers and influence these channels upwardly yeah, to, exactly. to drive results. <laughs> It's not a very sexy word. No, very <laughs> few marketing words are sexy. They all sound like they were invented in the basement floor of a post office or something, <laughs> you know, just like very mechanical. You know? Yeah, results, that's not a bad word. Very mechanical, yeah. Results is a is an okay word, but that, that also can have an upgrade. We'll give it a we'll give it those sexy upgrade. All these words. So, what helps you get excited? What kind of drives you to create your goals or your strategy? Okay, my strategy. Yeah, that's no, that's a good question. Well, I would have an idea, a goal in mind, whether that is work on certain projects or make a certain amount of money to elevate my my revenue or whatever it is. But then I. Once I have that in front of me, I just kind of try to make it fun how to break it down. And yeah, down to quarters, which doesn't sound very fun and sexy right now. But once you have it broken down a little bit and you start to implement a touch of it every single day, that helps me because I used to have a huge list, right? Just a list. And I was like, I'm never going to get to even one third of that. And now with breaking it down and, 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 and seeing that one goal is so related to so many other things that it all kind of works together. So if I think I have 10 things on my list, they might just be three because a lot of them are integrated into the, the one big goal. So breaking that down to smaller each day, Yeah, having tasks, having task-based. Yeah. yeah, it kind of sounds like you're talking about the big rocks theory where you kind of look at the most big important things and putting, putting yeah, those things exactly. first and then peppering in all the little things that support that. 100%. I'm a huge fan of the Epic uh, Planner. Just got in on that recently and I love it. And it, that implements, that that's also comes to the whole just kind of sustainable life where you also take care of yourself and your health and your sleep and your water and your meditation. And because it's all part of a successful business doesn't stand alone. It, it comes with all the things that you do in your life. 100%. I know that a lot of people have these stories of like, I started a business and then I was working 127 hours a week out of 168 hours and I was burning out and everybody comes to this, this realization that they're not, they're not Superman and then they have to rest their body and their mind. 
100%. That's, that's changing. I think also has been a, a bit of a shift, you know, when people start to talk about importance of sleep, just more mindful living. Yeah. I'm a big fan of planning the downtime before I plan business so that I have those boundaries in place. Yeah. How do you do that? I just plan on when I'm not working, like when I'm definitely going to be, okay, I'm taking this weekend off or I'm not going to work after say 5 yeah. p.m. or I'm not going to work before 8 a.m., whatever that looks like in a given week. I start with the downtime because, you know, it's so important. And I used to have what they called Sunday scaries. Oh, yes. Know, when I, <laughs> yeah, especially when I was working on advertising agencies, it was always Sunday scaries. I just did not sleep. I was just already working. And now what I, when I'm running my own business, I just don't, my calendar is closed on Mondays. I just, that's my day to work on my business. So I don't, I don't have, I don't have the Sunday scares anymore. Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a selling point right there. <laughs> Say goodbye to your Sunday scaries. Maybe that's going to be our new tagline. Yeah. Could be talent is not enough. Build a business. Say goodbye to Sunday scaries. Yeah. If you're listening into this, yeah, we just gave you a million dollar idea. You can thank us later. I'll give you a, an address for where to send the check later. Yes. So yeah. what fascinates you? What gets you, what gets your brain going? I really think it comes down to very simple things, nature and people. I, I get fascinated by kind people. I think it sounds cheesy and, and simple, but I get really fascinated when I see a lot of kindness, when it's authentic and it's deep and it's self, it's kind of selfless. You know what I mean? That fascinates me. And then on the other side, nature is insane. I mean, my country fascinates me. There was another volcano erupted a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago. And that is is mind blowing how, how nature works. And I think that's kind of, I mean, art too. I can, I can get mesmerized by, by art, but it doesn't happen all the time. It's kind of those few, whether it's art pieces or a book or a movie. All right. So I have a few strange and different questions for you. A sort of oddities lightning round, if you will. I'm so scared. <laughs> Bring, all it. Right. Bring it. So what is the one condiment, if somebody put it on your food or on your sandwich, you would want to fight them because they, they ruined your food. What's the worst condiment out there? A mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Mm -hmm. The worst condiment ever? I just hate the texture of it. I used to like it, but now it just creeps me out. Yeah, there's the, how it goes up in, in your mouth. Yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> see. Overrated, underrated, the Rolling Stones. Overrated. If you could get into a fist fight with any celebrity for fun, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Fist fight. Or any type of physical altercation. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be barrel knuckle boxing. Okay, but it's a kind, it's, a, it's like a fun, okay. Yeah, it's not a serious fight. It's Say it's a fight for charity or just, it's a staged fight. Ooh, God, that's so interesting. I think somebody fun like Viola Davis or like an actress who has like a little cuckoo, you know, she's a little, she's a little wild and, and incredibly talented. Be somebody like that that can su surprise you with, with wicked humor while you're we're doing the deed. I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. Last one. This one has a few less teeth. Beaches or mountains? Oh gosh. It, it, well, it is, it is mountains because I'm, I love beaches, but I, I have that kind of a skin that I'm not supposed to be in the sun, but I live for being in the ocean. But I do sit under a big ass umbrella because I do, I do go sometimes, but it would have to be, well, it has to be beach though, because I, I have to be near water. Yeah. So maybe a mountain that's by the ocean. There you go. The perfect combo. Yeah. yeah. Which is Iceland pretty much. It's just like a rock in the middle of the Atlantic. Very cool. 
This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm so glad that we are doing this and I can't wait to see what blossoms out of Artist Inclusive. Yeah, same. I feel I'm very, I'm very excited about it. I'm hopeful about it. I think it's, it's gonna, well, what I'm trying to say is I, I don't want to say I want to hope to, to help other artists, but just I look forward to see people thrive and, and make some changes and, and choices that maybe they would not have had done before without the community and just getting to know more people. I'm excited. Yeah. I love meeting new people except yeah. for when I'm tired. That's never a good idea. No, no, that's the weird version. Okay. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast. Well, it's our podcast, so I don't have to really send you off anywhere because it's our podcast, okay. right? Yeah. I'm the co-host. Hello. All right. All right. Well, thanks for this time. We'll see you soon. We'll we'll have actually in the next podcast, we'll have somebody else. That's right. We're going to be interviewing yes. Aubrey Lynch and we're really excited about having him on the show. All right. Ciao. The Artist Inclusive podcast is brought to you by the Artist Inclusive Facebook group and artistinclusive.com. Learn more about Artist Inclusive at our website or join our free Facebook group. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts and share this message with somebody that you think would enjoy this podcast. This is how you're able to reach more engaged and impactful artists just like you.